everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fuse Ignites. I am your host, Anthony Sturpey, and I want to thank you for joining us again this week. Um, it is really fun to explore this idea of what makes our district fantastic, but also to just have a discussion about education that can help any teacher or school-related professional, no matter where they are in our country, and who knows, even in our world. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to someone who works at one of our middle schools, Albert Leonard Middle School, and her name is Audrey Hill. And I have known Audrey for a long time, but she has... Um, Recently, we've worked together more because she has taken some of what I've done at the high school through our mobile device film program and has taken this idea of digital equity, and she has brought it to Albert Leonard Middle School with very limited resources. So I wanted to talk to her today about this topic of digital equity to talk about how she's using literally one iPad to make a difference in her school. And uh, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to get her on the phone. Hi, Audrey. How are you today? Hi, I'm fine. How are you? Great. So uh, thank you for doing our podcast. Why don't we start by, uh, if you could just tell people the school you work at and what it is that you do. Yes, I'm a, a seventh grade English teacher at Albert Leonard, and I do the seventh grade English program, and I also run uh, the Summer Academy at Albert Leonard. Fantastic. Now, how did you come to work at the New Rochelle Public Schools? Well, originally, I had started out wanting to be a journalist. I'd graduated from college, and I was the ed one of the editors of my college paper, and I thought that I would go into journalism. And I, I got out of college, and I, I called up the New York Times and thought I would just get an interview, but apparently they don't just give interviews like that. And so I ended up in editing for a, for a museum, and uh, I got uh, access from that job, and I didn't know what I was going to do next, and I tried to freelance, and I wasn't making any money, and I said, you know what? Let me, I'm on unemployment. Let me go in and try student teaching. And if I like it, then I have a profession. And if not, well, at least I know the answer to that. And I loved it. So I ended up working at a private school for two years. And then a, um, I worked in the city for six. And then I looked into New Rochelle, and I was very fortunate to get in here. And you, if for people who don't know, you're a masterful writer, so our students are very lucky to have a writing teacher and an English teacher who is so well-versed in literature, but also just in writing techniques. So that's something your history in terms of journalism can easily be seen. If people get an email from you, I'm sure they are automatically impressed. <laughs> Um, what is it is something then that our schools in New Rochelle offer then that you don't feel can be found in other communities? Well, that was a, actually somewhat of a question for me because I don't know that the things that I found here can't be found somewhere else. Maybe they can, but I found them here. And um, the, there's a couple of things that I think are really strong about New Rochelle. And everyone will talk about the diversity of our schools and uh, both the economic diversity, socioeconomic diversity, and the ethnic diversity, um, and the diversity um, in our wealth also. Um, so that's definitely a strong thing. But the thing that really grabbed me about New Rochelle when I first got in here is the strength of the, the teachers and the administrators that I met when I came here. My, the department chairman the high, that hired me had been a teacher in this community for 25 years before she became a department chair. And 
she was just extraordinary. And I, I met a lot of, I got a lot of mentoring from the teachers around me. And there were still some incredibly strong teachers that I, that I interact with on a regular basis that really helped to enrich um, my experience and that I, you know, bounce ideas off of. And you're one of them, as a matter of fact. And it, it's just, that's the thing that makes New Rochelle for me is this community of, of educators who, who really know their business and are committed to this work. So uh, right now you do a lot for the middle school in terms of after-school programs and running initiatives at the middle school that I'm sure people in the community aren't even aware of. I think that they don't realize how many hats we wear both in and out of the classroom. But you are, uh, could you talk a little bit about how you're personalizing the experience for your students in your school? So this was actually one of the tough questions for me because I have um, some issues around the, the word personalization. Um, it's sort of a, a, like a, it's like a verbal tofu. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. So what parents hope that it means is that their children are being seen as individuals and they're getting a thoughtfully determined, co-created curriculum that's meeting just their child's needs and it's developing their unique voice and interests. And that's something we want. But that requires low class size, plenty of time for teachers, diverse offering, infrastructure, space, and talented teachers and resources. And so that's very expensive. And we're definitely doing some of that. But there's another kind of personalization that is more of a marketing term in which you throw a kid in front of a screen and there are questions and the questions change based on an algorithm and the kid spends their entire time you know, in faced with a screen and then they go home to a screen and they come back to a screen. And I think parents, the reason why I don't use that word is because um, I feel like parents need to interrogate that term, that when someone says we personalize education in this district, they need to know what's meant because they want the first one and they don't necessarily get that depending on where they are. So I'm just saying that because what I really value more is the idea of intrinsic learning for my students, so where they're intrinsically motivated by what we're doing. So a lot of that comes out of doing things like um, uh, simulations, right, where we'll pretend that we're a magazine company and they're an editorial team. And we, at one point, were making uh, four-color magazines. And they were completely committed and had all of the, the standards in it. Those kids had to come back and back and back. And they had to you know, improve and improve and improve their writing before they could even lay, that, lay out that work. Or a debate where the students have to learn how to make an argument, how to rebut an argument, how to do the research, how to know what, what evidence supports. And so all of that, they become involved because they care about the product. And they don't even ask you about the grade because they're so committed to what they're doing. And so that's my goal for my classroom, and that's what I look to do. And I can't grab every student. I mean, you, 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 you cast the widest net, but some kids are going to fall through. Some kids, I mean, not fall through completely, but they're not going to be interested in what you're necessarily doing in that moment. You know, some kids don't want to do public speaking, so the debate doesn't really, uh, they're not celebrating the debate or whatever it is. But you cast this net for their interests, and um, that's how you really pull them in. And 
something that you do is you so we like to stay positive of course on our fuse ignites podcast and this comment may be slightly controversial for some parents because i think they have a different perspective but in terms of technology we do not have all the technology resources that we need to create these experiences all the time. And so one of the reasons I think it was valuable for us to have this conversation today is because I think what you are doing is exploring an idea that um, you're hearing a lot about right now, which is this idea of digital equity, which is not every kid having a device, but creating circumstances in classrooms where the kids are using the technology that's available to them Right, and they're using it in creative and new ways, so that they can then take those skills that they're learning and interact as part of the society later on. And just like you're saying, it's not sitting in front of a screen and hitting a button. Every kid having a computer in front of them and doing that is not digital equity. Digital equity is saying, "Hey, we have five devices, six devices, in some instance, one device, and we're going to be creative and do as much as we can with this, so that when you walk out of here, you really know how to look at the world in a different way with technology and the resources that are available to you." And I think that that is something from all the work that I see you doing, and even just what you've described, what you're doing, you're transforming the way that the kids use and see some of those resources. And so you're really exploring this idea of digital equity and, and getting them ready to participate in a 21st century society. Yeah, I, I, I think we are doing that. Um, I Particularly uh, working right now, I'm working a lot with video, and that's actually been, uh, it, to a large extent, through some of the support that I've gotten from you, on um, how to use um, video for it, that uh, actually helps students with what we're trying to achieve. And um, what I've done a lot of in my classroom is uh, we do these uh, these discussion um, sort of their debate. It's like a humanities game, a discussion game, and I and we videotape them. And students become very serious because they're representing themselves in these situations, and so they know that we're going to be doing a lot of videotape in in the class and we also have a website in my cluster and we whatever good work is being done you know they're doing some really great uh, uh, labs in the science class so the students will go out and they'll videotape or they'll take pictures and then they'll write them up and then we put them up on our website so the parents can see the different kinds of things that we're doing and the students become invested in both reporting on that um, and the journalism that requires to do that and also in in representing themselves um, in front of a screen and behind the screen. So that's been exciting. We don't have a, a lot of equipment. We don't have a, a, a big program. So we're working with one, uh, one setup right now and a couple of kids with their own uh, phones, but we don't even have anything to hold them. We're, we're really, we're really quite, quite, at the, quite at the beginning of that. But um, the students become completely invested in uh, representing themselves well. And so it, it formalizes a lot of what they're doing. And then um, they can go back and they can look at what they're doing. We can talk about what worked or what didn't work and what was strong and what needs to be worked on. So, so it's exciting. And you're way. essentially achieving that in many days with one iPad, correct? One iPad. Yes. Yes. I actually have to delete, <laughs> I have to delete off anything we've done before in order to load up the next videos. And, 
and, and, you know, I think that there might even be a perception in our district that I ha- must be overflowing with iPads in my classroom. I mean, we really only have 10 devices, 10 to 15 devices, depending on the project that we're doing. My class size currently in this year, the 2019 year, is 35 kids. So I have 35 kids with 15 devices. And this idea that you have to put a device in every hand or, or, or that that is what is going to be the great equalizer in our classroom, you know, the kids are probably more getting more out of that one iPad than some of the teachers who have 30 Chromebooks in their classroom. And I'm not trying to make this a commercial for Apple. I mean, people probably know that I like Apple over Chromebooks, but like we're buying in our district Chromebooks for like 120 some odd dollars a pop and giving every kid this computer to work on. An iPad is about $240 right now, but look at the things that you've already talked about that you can do with an iPad that you can't do with these little disposable computers that they're buying. You can videotape, you can create podcasts, you can do all of the layout stuff that you're talking about. Like there's built-in book templates where instantly you're working on books and building the magazines and doing the things like you're talking about. And we really could accomplish so much more if we talked to our teachers and invested in the technology that would create that, like I like to say, digital equity within their classrooms to give the students unique experiences. And I love how you said, not just put them in front of a computer where the screen is adjusting to give them different questions that might be harder than the kid next to them. Because I don't know where that gets them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it, it's fine every now and then to do some sort of work like that. It's not like you can't get anything from that. But it, the, the notion that that's an equitable education, you, you know, that that a kid who's going to a top university has had a better education. And yes. so they've had a deeper education. I happen to have um, both Chrome, Chromebooks and my one video camera, and I'd like to have – I actually want all of it. I mean, I, right. I, I want it all. <laughs> so the more that they can, they can give us in that regard, and also the time, right, the time and the space. So that's, a, that's another piece of it. But I, I believe that we are doing some really good work with film right now. And um, that's one of the areas that I'm really looking at how to... How, 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 is, how has that impacted your, your school experience and your, your experience with your students? Um, well, um, I, I find that my students like to film and they like to feel like they're in charge and that energizes them so whenever we're filming they're sort of excited that they get to be part of that and i find that um you know we work together to to create these these uh experiences i mean when we're doing a a, um, one of our humanities discussions the kids are really excited to be in front of that camera to be able to say something and they get very used to it and they get very comfortable with public speaking and so that becomes an important piece of it so that by the time we get to the debate and by the time they leave my class most if not all of my students are extremely comfortable with speaking in front of an audience because they've been speaking in front of that that camera a lot but also uh, we we've also videotaped and um, uh, uh, promoted a lot of the clubs that are happening in our school. And so that's kind of an exciting thing is that we're now looking at, so let's, let's think more journalistically. What, can, what needs to be publicized? What don't we know about yet that we can uh, let our community know about? So that's uh, uh, another area that I'm starting to work on with them. 
Okay. It's a little it's a little different than it is at the high school level to just to say that because at the high school level you're talking about kids who are really ready for a lot of independence. And at the middle school level, they're definitely ready for more, but they need a, they need more guidance. Like at the high school level, I feel like you can let them run with it, but at the middle school level there's more they they need more, you know, just a just a little more guidance than they do a couple years later. I'm going to give you two tricks that will hopefully help any teacher who's listening. First of all, if you don't know, um, using your iPad, you can also, I've been bringing podcasting into my classroom. So every few weeks after we finish a lesson, I give the kids an option to create a video or a podcast and you can film them. And then right within the computer, you can export it as audio only. So if you get it on a Mac, you can do and open it in QuickTime. You can do export audio only. So the kids can also film themselves and then turn that film into a podcast if they want. And then that can be posted for them to listen to. You can use GarageBand for that as well. And one of my tricks that I do at the high school is you might pick an exercise that you do with them every year. And at the end of the year, have them remake it as close as they possibly can, but apply the skills that they've learned. So that's something else that I'll do with my kids. We we will take some of our early stuff and I'll be like, make it again. And, you know, first the groans will come out and they'll be like, oh my God, I don't want to do this project again. But the sheer act of having to go back in months later and redo something begins to help them develop that independence a little bit because some of my kids, when they first work, they are a hot mess and I allow them I allow them to be a hot mess. And so I will then go and say, great, now that you've done it, let's do it the way that you thought it was going to turn out. Let's do it the, now that you have these skills. And that really does help to develop some of that independence. All right. Well, I'll definitely, I'm going to look at that, that uh, I'll definitely look at the podcasting one sooner than later. But um, that that one for, you know, let's redo something that we've done already and see how it is. I've definitely got some ideas for that already now that you say it. Um, that's great. And the podcast element is a lot of fun. Um, I, I, you know, you even a lot of teachers will use something like GarageBand to record. Um, but if you have a microphone and they are used to using the camera, they can use that to create their podcast, create characters, bring in guests. And then there's so many converters online that turn video into audio. But right, if you're working with Apple products, right within QuickTime, when you do file export, you can export it as audio only. And then you have just this audio file that you can post or even host, host on some of the free podcast servers that are out there. And your kids can instantly create an uh, uh, a Apple podcast. And and this is why I thought this discussion was important today, because I think that this idea of giving kids all these different experiences with technology, that's what digital equity is. We live in a society where everyone thinks it's, oh, one-to-one, every kid needs a computer. No, it is nice. You're right. We want all of that. But how does them having this computer and hitting a button get them ready for the real world? Well, I, I'm going to say that I think that it's important for them to have um, access to a, a device um, one-to-one. I, I, I've, I've really used that in my classroom. And the reason that it, it's so powerful for me is that they do so much writing and I can see every iteration um, in, in the classroom. And that actually is, is really helpful because I can see their development. I can see how they edit. I can see how they add, what they subtract. And it, it gives a certain kind of accountability to them. Um, without, like if, you're, if you don't have a, a, a device, 
then you're handwriting everything. And when you make your edits and you want to correct it, you're now adding in new mistakes. So I, I, want, I, I don't think that it's either or. I think we need both. I think we mm-hmm. need the kind of, the kind of technology um, that allows kids to be truly creative because that they're more, whatever it is we're doing, whether it's, I think you need a, a lot of iPads personally, but um, you need iPads and you need some sort of uh, computer software that allows, you know, you know, keyboard, keyboarding uh, ability in, in the classroom because both of those are just so in, incredibly strong and they both do, you're not a consumer of information. You know, the, the, this, this, you know, at, you know, multiple choice, pick an answer or watch a video, which is, there's nothing wrong with watching a video now and then. I mean, you know, Ted Ed has got some great stuff, but, um, that mentality is that your job is to just consume, that there is nothing that you're actually making. And so you never really go that next step of taking it from um, I'm hearing it um, to I'm actually doing it, which I think and, is the most important. And I, again, I'm not trying to make it an Apple commercial. I just, having worked with both products, yeah, I agree that Can we need lots of iPads. Can you give me some iPads. Apple products, though? Because that would be good. I, I wish. I wish. The, uh, you know, the, uh, the iPads take keyboards, they film, they record, just the, the level of things, the number of apps that are out there for virtual reality so that you can do virtual and augmented reality stuff. I just think that is a product. It's a, it's, it's a little bit more quality product, especially for the type of educational experience that we create in our district. And sometimes districts look at things and go, well, this is cheap. Well, we all know that saying, the cheap is expensive and the expensive is cheap. You know, like I, I'm still using iPads in my program that are six years old, seven years old, and they're still going and the kids are still using them. And we're creating these experiences that that are, you know, sort of expanding their worldview. And I just, I, I, I'm going to show I, my kids some of your kids' videos this week is what I'm going to do. And let me know. I'll send you some more. All right. Um, <laughs> so what would you love to see happen for our schools as they change and so, as they grow? Um, I think I'd like to go back to the, um, to the thing that I think about a lot, which is the, uh, the idea of institutional memory, um, and that is teachers at the table. I, I feel like um, I have seen – I've been in this district 22 years. There are people who have been in this district 40 years. We actually have somebody who retired just recently who had – 40 years of teaching experience in this district, and they've seen what works. And when you change something, you don't want to rip out the foundation every single time you you make a change. You want a foundation that you can build on so that you're actually building an edifice and and it's it's getting better. It's not just getting newer. And so I... What I would like to see in terms of the change and the growth for our school is that teachers have... A, a greater voice in pedagogy and in um, helping guide the district um, in the direction that we're going because we're we're here we've been here and we'll and we have seen the iterations and we see the strength that has come before so that we're not you know just clearing the deck um, every couple of years but instead building on Excellent. all of those strengths. So then, what would you say is your three word hope for this school. So you tortured me with this one. I had to like really, really think. Um, And so I guess I would go back to um, uh, Daniel Pink's uh, Motivation 2.0. And what I hope for this district is uh, autonomy, 
mastery and purpose for all the members in our community. Excellent. All right. Well, it was that easy, Audrey. See, that that was easy. Just us having this conversation. And, and I think that we it, it, it's going to be valuable for people to hear this idea of bringing this creativity in your classroom and even understanding that you don't always need a ton of resources. We want them. <laughs> but you don't always need them. So I think that will be helpful. And we also put some great lesson plan ideas out there for people. Yeah, so, I hope. <laughs> so I want to thank you for being on our podcast. And you said your class has a website. Do you want to plug that class website at all? Whitegill7.wordpress.com. Excellent. Um, that I think is the name. So uh, they're certainly welcome to come see. Right now we have stuff from last year. We're just starting to build our, our new year of things. But we've got a couple of people who have already written for us. So we'll be seeing some new stuff up shortly. Excellent. So check out our website. Go introduce yourself to Audrey if you're in her school. And tune in next time for our next episode of Fuse Ignites. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And bye.